It's the one place in all of the internet where you'll find four guys talking pro wrestling way too seriously. Glenn Clark, Aaron Oster, Brandon Linton, and AJ Francis. This is Jobbing Out. What what what's up? What what's up? What's this is gonna be a yeah. This this is gonna be a weird episode of Chopping Out. I'm Aaron Oster. That's Brandon Linton. No Glenn today, which means no studio work, which means no normal intro. So hopefully that sounded kind of good. This of course is episode number 108 of Jobbing Out. Brandon. Hmm. 108. Uh, is that the number of millions that? A certain person has paid out to... it, it it's it's very possible i mean we don't have that number yet but it wouldn't surprise me at all no 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 way more basic than that it is the number of minutes the women's money in the bank briefcase existed this year oh yeah we talked about that last week it, it, the tradition continues the tradition continues but as we said no glenn here so we do have a fill-in host for him and in the past when we've done this i've always said well, we're going to our stable of horsemen here, but I feel like at this point, we've gotten so bloated, so big. It's no longer stable of horsemen. We go deep into the NWO to bring out our new guest, and I'm tired of the East Coast biased. I need somebody out West here, somebody who I spent an hour with in an elevator, somebody from Vegas. Uh, VEASAN's own Wes Reynolds going to join us for jobbing out today. How are you doing, Wes? Well, if you're uh, bringing me in to cure the bloating problems, uh, you brought in the wrong guy, unfortunately. <laughs> I don't know, let's see, if you're NWO, I, I don't know, maybe, uh, what are you, Horace Hogan? What, which NWO member are you? Uh, may, maybe a little bit of a combination of uh, Scott Norton and, uh, and uh, Kevin Nash. There we go. I like that one. But uh, yeah, a lot to talk about on the show. Uh, I went to Money in the Bank over the weekend, uh, Wes. Did not. I don't know why you didn't go to Money in the Bank other than it was Money in the Bank. But um, getting that parking issue with Money in the Bank on the strip and then the UFC right across the street, I heard parking was an absolute mess. Parking was definitely a mess, but there was no elevators. That was a plus. No elevators at Money in the Bank. Yeah, you don't want to get stuck in an elevator again. I mean, I feel like being stuck in an elevator at uh, Money in the Bank, that would be two in a row. You don't want to know what that third one would be. Exactly. Um, obviously, there's some big news in the wrestling world today. We are recording this Friday morning or Friday early afternoon on the East Coast. Uh, we will get to that a little later in the show, but we want to start out a little bit of a wider note here. So let's start with Money in the Bank. As I said, I was there. Cool atmosphere. That was the first time I had been to the MGM Grand Garden Arena, and that was legitimately one of the best venues for wrestling that I've ever been in. I thought it was a perfect size, uh, perfect venue. Never been there for a concert. I imagine it's amazing for a concert um so what, what were your thoughts overall i thought the show was good uh in general but i thought i mean there's there's always a but right with these shows like hey my headphones are working <laughs> awesome imagine that um there's always you know there's always a but and I think I think we we love the live moment, we love 
Um, I, I think we like maybe not specifically who won money in the bank, but we could get into that uh, as far as the men's match goes. But I think we like that. It's not the same old, same old either. Um, I know that a lot of people don't share that opinion, but I, I, I do think there's something to be said about it. Just not being Seth or Drew or, you know, like the really obvious people. I, I'd agree with you, and, and I do want to actually get into that a little bit later as far as theory and, and yes. what the actual reaction, what people are reacting to with him. Because that's actually you know, one of the things I love, I still love about going to wrestling shows is seeing exactly how the crowd is reacting, not having to deal with, you know, whether it's bad microphone or, or you know, piped in cheers or whatever. Right. Uh, hearing exactly. There, there were a few really interesting things I found uh, at the show. But yeah, it's interesting the the whole theory reaction, and it's kind of... I think people are getting more into it now because it's the first, I don't want to say threatening thing from him, but it's the first moment where it's like, okay, theory is a real, real thing. How do we feel about him and why do we feel about it? I do want to put that on pause. Let's start with Liv Morgan though. Um, Obviously her winning was awesome. Her winning the briefcase was a tremendous moment. She was, obviously it was for the entrances. You had like Becky and Asuka probably getting the biggest cheers, but Liv was getting the biggest reaction whenever she was climbing the ladder, whenever she was doing something in the ring. It was very, very clear to me that people truly, truly cared about Liv Morgan. So seeing her win the briefcase like that was awesome. Uh, I, I agree, and I'll, I'll, I'll add this. I'll agree with that, and I'll add this. This is, I think, what we all said the should should be, right? Like, yes. I don't think, I just think none of us believed that this would actually happen, but I think that we all thought it should, and I think that, I think that we've been seeing this reaction when it comes to live. I think we've been seeing people wanting to get behind her in a big way, wanting to see something real come from her other than just, she almost beat Becky Lynch, you know? And I think, I think the reactions from that match and on have told them that this is probably what they should do. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fantastic. It's great. And, and again, this isn't them. This is very organic. It was incredibly organic, and that's what made it work. And and kudos for them for understanding that. I'm a little worried from here. The time, you know, the immediate cash in, the timing, it makes me a little worried. Uh, well, know, also she, who the person, you know, the other person is. I mean, like if, if if we assume she's fighting Ronda anytime, whether it's on SmackDown next week or at SummerSlam or. Whatever it is, that's very scary for what we want out of this. And I think, go ahead. I, I, I was going to say just whether it's Ronda, whether it's a returning Charlotte, I'm very concerned, and I'm I'm hoping this isn't just oh well we need you know we need somebody to hold the belt for a month because Ronda doesn't want to dump it to Charlotte, you know we want to save that for whatever, um, and we're going to just have live because that that would be a disaster. Like that can turn a true good moment, a true oh WWE does actually get it sometimes moment and turn into something bad. Wes, what's your thoughts? Well, I was happy to see Liv get it. Uh, You know, you kind of, I think, uh, saw it coming at least a little bit because in this age of social media, you know, in regards to uh, professional wrestling, I think Liv 
of all the people on the talent roster, she is one of the best at using social media. And she doesn't necessarily use social media, I think, necessarily to develop a character. Like Becky Lynch, when she's on Twitter and Instagram, she's a lot more in character, except when she posts the uh, baby pictures with Seth and the like. But Liv is somebody that I think comes across as very likable. You know, because like she's like a real person. She's willing to be like her normal goofy self and whatnot. And I think that makes her relatable to fans. Now, you mentioned Aaron being in the building that, you know, Asuka got a little bit of a bigger pop. Of course, Becky got the biggest pop of all the participants in the match, Alexa Bliss and whatnot. But Liv is somebody that I'm interested to see if they're willing to go kind of at least somewhat of the way, maybe not totally all of the way, because we know who the pecking order is in that women's division. We know Becky and Charlotte right now are essentially the big two. Whenever Bailey comes back, I think that's going to be interesting. Maybe it's going to be a live in Bailey program. I'm not sure when she's supposed to come back, but I know she's in rehab and she posts the videos of that. So I think it very well could be like Bailey kind of befriending her and then turning on her a little bit. And maybe you get a live and Becky program because uh, I don't think that, you know, obviously they're not going to do champion versus champion right now with Liv and Bianca. I don't think that you got to save that for survivor series. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So you need for something. one time all year that a raw person and a SmackDown person face can them. interact the one time all year, only yeah, that, that day. That's right. Sorry. That's yeah. a, that's a, just if you're new to the show, that's sort of a bit that we but, have but to going back, But going back to what I was saying, I mean, you have to have some kind of program, I think, for Liv. And, and you know, I share a little bit of Aaron's concerns that, okay, is she going to be like the transitional champion here? Because I think she's somebody that can get more over than she is. But you need her, you know, to win kind of a feud to be able to establish her. And is that going to be Bailey coming back? Uh, obviously, uh, we'll get to a couple that may not be options, uh, depending on uh, what news you believe of, of the last week or so. But I, I think that, that that Liv and Bailey would kind of make a little bit of sense here, you know, to give her somebody new to the scene and maybe help establish Liv and get her more over. Because I think you're seeing Bianca on the Raw side. Uh, you know, kind of get more over. I think every week she gets kind of a, a bigger pop and a bigger reaction and people believe her that, you know, she's on the level of Charlotte or Becky or at least the perception of that level. I, I agree with that. I, and I think I think that's really important because I think we are at a place now where Bianca Belair is no longer in question, right? Like she is now... She's main evented WrestleMania, well, not really, you know what I mean. She main evented one night of WrestleMania once, and she essentially was a main event of WrestleMania uh, in, in the sense that one of the top three matches of her night this year. I think we're at a place where she definitely has to be considered part of that conversation of, you know, you know, obviously Ronda Rousey is a star of, of different caliber just because she came from outside WWE. But as far as people that came from within WWE, she's number three, right? At this point, if we go Charlotte, Becky, number three is probably Bianca, if we're not counting Ronda, right? Because that's I, I sort mean, of a different thing. Yeah, it depends on how you feel about Bailey, obviously, she's been gone for a while, depending on how you feel. I mean, obviously, Sasha's very much in doubt right now. I kind of put it as, like, you have the horse women, you have the other maid women, which are basically right now Ronda, because of she's Ronda, and then 
Bianca, and Asuka. Yeah, and right. then the tier of women, it has a huge drop off right there. Correct. And I was because I was trying to think because I was actually thinking about this in terms of Liv, where if she has a credible title reign here, I don't know if she's ever necessarily going to be Asuka or even Bianca. I don't know if she's going to get that. But there is such a huge gap there between those tier and then the tier that's like Naomi, is she still around, or Natalia, which are credible women wrestlers who not necessarily, you know, who can kind of fade away for a while. And when they're put into the position, they can be credible. Actually, you know what? You know who else would probably be in this tier would be Alexa Bliss. Would yeah. be kind of in between, not necessarily the truly. truly I don't think Liv is Alexa Bliss yet. No, like, but, but I, I'm saying, I'm saying yeah. with a good title run, I think she could be a Alexa Bliss. Correct. Like, she not can... going to necessarily main event WrestleMania, right. but she can absolutely be a a rock solid foundation of the women's. But she's not like on like maybe you would say the Dana Brooke tier or somebody. No, like, absolutely right, right. not. But, but I think she, I, I think she can be above a Naomi or above an Italia. I mean, I think right now she is, she's that. I, I think that the next tier would be, and, and then we're really, you know, picking at this point, but sure. I, I, I think, I think she's in the middle of that pack, right? I think, and, and obviously she's holding the title, but it's going to be really important what they do tonight and what they do in the next couple of weeks and at SummerSlam, as far as where she goes, because like, there's people we love, right? That are, that are lifers that are going to be, significant characters on WWE in some way, form or fashion forever that have been world champion at some point that right now, if we listed those four to five people, we don't have any prayer of them being the world champion in the next year or two, just off the top of my head, Kofi Kingston, you know, like people like that, that it had that moment. And, and I'm, I'm, I wonder if I'm channeling my inner Glenn here by saying, that's sort of the first step was getting her that moment. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and maybe it was more about that than her sustaining some kind of run. But I do think, you know, we talk about this all the time about how long someone should have to, should hold the, the championship, how many defenses or whatever, what, how many moments they get with that championship, not just winning it. And I, I'm, I'm at a place where I think it could be more, but I don't think it is. And, and I think that's a bummer. Like, I think seeing like all the things we talked about in the buzz saws that we expect her to run into. Um, it feels like maybe she gets out of SummerSlam if we're lucky. And after that, that title's going with someone else. Well, let me, but if let she me at least gets up. that defense though, I think that sort of solidifies her as that next level um, Alexa bliss level character. But one thing I do want to throw out there, and it's a name we really haven't mentioned, who I think has gotten a little, even though she's now in a faction, I think has gone a little bit cold. When is Rhea Ripley scheduled to return from her injury? Because I felt like even when she was healthy, you know, she had gone a little cold. And when we were talking about Bianca, and I think uh, what you guys mentioned, that Bianca is now kind of on that top level, or certainly at least right there on the precipice of it. And we haven't seen Rhea Ripley take that next step like Bianca Belair has. Now, the one thing I will say is I do think that you could just have her walk in and win the belt. And then it's right back where, you know what I mean? I, I think she's one of those people that because she beat Charlotte at WrestleMania, um, I believe, I, sometimes I mix all of my no, history. No, she, she, lost, she lost to uh, Charlotte at WrestleMania. But who did she beat? Yeah, Performance Center WrestleMania, right? I don't. Didn't she have two WrestleManias? 
Who did she face this past or the year before? Hold on. I thought she ended up winning the second time or something. Yeah. I, I'd have to look this up. She honestly. was the champion, correct? Clean at the uh, at the pandemic WrestleMania in the Performance Center. Yes, that one she lost. But did she ever win the? Cha- I feel like I thought she had the title for a cup of coffee. Never won the title. Well, she had she had the title because she um she wanted she she beat who did she beat after WrestleMania because she held it last year. She oh, was she beat Oscar. Yeah, did she beat Oscar? Oh right, yeah. Okay, that sounds right. Yes, yeah. Last year she beat Oscar, and that was at WrestleMania. I yeah, mean, that's that, pretty significant. Yes, that that's significant. And actually, now that you you bring up Rhea Ripley, she would be one of those in the middle of that tier. In in that she's not a, yeah. a completely made, but she's higher than. And and, and by the way, I'm not so sure if she wasn't hurt, if she wouldn't oh. be winning the title either, either already had or at SummerSlam. Oh, it. it it, it's so tricky because Bianca, you you expect right. her to have a whole uh, long run, and you know we know that she was supposed to have the match at Money in the Bank. So the question is exactly what was the plan there? It wouldn't surprise me if it was a schmaz finish, and then either win it at SummerSlam or maybe she won it and is going to would have lost it back at SummerSlam. Something along those lines. I, you can't imagine they would have put her right into that title match with the new faction that desperately needs a win just to have her lose completely. Right, and 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 and, that's, and that kind of writes itself, too, because Bianca could team with the Street Profits and and face them. You know what sure. I mean? Like if and, they and, had... and it might have been. Bianca's from Nashville, right? Am I remembering that correctly? She's from Tennessee. She went to yeah. the University of Tennessee. So, so it's so, possible yeah, they, she might, they might have had her lose the title at Money in the Bank with a complete schmoz finish only to get the big moment of winning it back in Tennessee. Yeah. At SummerSlam. But so it, that, it that... is interesting, though, Wes, to bring up Rhea Ripley because I think... I do think that's someone that, barring the injury or whatever, could just walk in and win. I mean, I think you've done enough work with – I mean, you've got to do something, but I don't think she's at the – she's definitely above, like, for the purpose of this conversation, I do see her as significantly above Liv Morgan. I, I still do see her. I disagree but, with that. And there's that also that thing that I like to say a lot about wrestling – it's how do we miss you if you never go away? Now, obviously, you didn't want her to go away with an injury, but, you know, you get that. And that's one of the things when you're away from a few months, all of a sudden, you know, you get that big pop when you come back because they haven't seen you for a few months. So maybe there's certainly something to that for Rhea Ripley. But I guess what I say a little bit about Ripley, I, I mean, maybe I'm going back to seeing, you know, NXT live events when it felt like she was so over. And, you know, now that she's on Raw, it seems like she's just like kind of another person. And and I don't think she's down there on the bottom tier, you know, with, with like a, a Dana Brooke or anybody like that. I think she's at least somewhat established. However, it seems to be a little cold and maybe her being part of this. Uh, I don't even know what the name of the new faction is with Finn Balor. The, the Judgment Day. Judgment Day, yeah. <laughs> Maybe being a part of that faction could give her some more confidence on the mic, but she doesn't get any mic time because there's sometimes you look at her when she's speaking and it's like she looks like a little bit of a deer in headlights. She looks very unsure of herself. Whereas I think you flip the script and look at Bianca, she's getting more and more comfortable every single time she cuts good promos she's likable she's relatable she's not just the gimmick that twirls the that twirls the hair around and all that stuff i think she's becoming more of a confident character and you're wondering when that's going to translate to rhea ripley that's a good point I, I i agree with that the one thing i'll say is i think aaron if you remember 
So Aaron and I attended a SummerSlam last year. And I feel like Rhea Ripley was in this weird rut where she was, I think she had, they had screwed up her booking. They had made her the heel without making her a heel. Right. It it was nonsense. And and it was really bizarre. And she was in that triple threat match. Despite all of that insane crowd reaction. Like, I think we were a little bit surprised. Like there was a couple of people like that where we were like, and, and and also like when I Glenn and I went to a house show where she had like an insane rate. So like I think that like there's one thing to be cooled on the show, and then but like I feel like there's people like her and people like Drew where they like with Drew McIntyre like they booked him like utter dog shit for like the better part of the year, and it didn't matter. Like if you went to the house shows, he was basically John Cena. You know, like the little kids, that's who they cared about. Like the, the reaction. I think that's there for Rhea to a degree, like little girls dress up like her. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron, I think your daughter was dressed like Rhea Ripley. At, yeah, uh, yeah she, had, she had the shirt and she tried to convince me to buy the $200 yeah, so vest. I think, <laughs> yes, it's, I think it's cold, but I think she's really easy to heat up. Um, yeah. And I th- yeah. And, and um, by the way, Rhea, I think Rhea live with a slightly decent run can be Rhea. And and I know right now, live, but as far as the yeah, the Alexa Bliss Rhea, future, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I, but I agree. I don't know how long. I I agree. She has to make it past SummerSlam. I would tend to say she should make it past Clash in the Castle. But if she held it to let's you know, let's say they did a big uh, you know season premiere of SmackDown or whatever, and she lost it at the beginning of October, I think that would be enough. Assuming she you know she beats a couple quality people along the way. That's enough to solidify her, and as long as she doesn't just disappear. Yeah, after, but you know, you can't, you can't do the Kofi Kingston. Thing. I was just about to say the only thing I don't like about that is the association with Super Premier SmackDown losing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can't have Brock like just come in and squash like that, like that happened. No, if Brock squashed Liv, that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't have Brock do that at all. But, uh, but I mean, yeah, I think there's something to live, though, as a baby face. And it was maybe just a random coincidence. But, you know, and following the Twitter for WWE, even though the camera cut, and I'll, I'll get to the camera cuts later, which drive me nuts. Personally, it might not affect you guys, but they cut to a little girl in the crowd that she was wearing an Alexa Bliss t-shirt, ironically enough, but they showed her clapping for Liv. And it's like, I think that there's something to live where she could be a really good baby face. And that's one thing other than Bianca, I don't feel that the women's division has a really strong baby face, you know, kind of like Bailey when she first came up from NXT, like such a great baby face. Maybe they can do that with Liv because they have such a strength on the heel side now with, you know, Becky. And I I think Charlotte's a much better heel than she is a baby face. 100%. you have to establish some kind of other baby face besides Bianca. I, I think there's something to that. Like, even if you're looking at other, fa- you know, Asuka's a face, but she's not that baby face. She's right. just awesome. Um, yeah, you go down the list there, you know. The funny thing was, the, the one, re- the one uh, other reaction I noticed at Money in the Bank is that most of the women got, you know, were at least likable, got pops during the entrances. Like, even Shotzi, people were excited to see her. Uh, Raquel Rodriguez got a little bit less of a reaction, but like mostly good reactions. The only person in that match who actually got a negative reaction was Lacey. 
Like everybody else was at least, I, I would say, more cheered than booed, and Lacey was like 85% booze. But, but that promo she did, it's like, you know, you want, I think they want to think that Lacey is likable because obviously she's a, a veteran. You know, she, she has the two little girls. You know, she's a mom. The family travels together pretty much everywhere. So they feel like, oh, man, this girl, she should be a big star, and they should cheer her. But just the way her delivery, like on her mic work, just speaks heel to me and I think they kind of threw that out there and then remember that you know hey everybody stand up and show respect and right they, right they turned her heel on a dime it was and then they went right back wait right back from it you know and, and tried to get her cheered again I will say this this is a tricky thing because I think the crowd that you have that you had at that event is not your everyday crowd Right. Um, I, I I do. And again, now with the new technology and the piping in of the audience and whatnot, it's hard to tell sometimes what's what he she is getting cheered on the regular show. I, I, I think that that crowd in Vegas at Money in the Bank might be more of the like WrestleMania type crowd. And that was a little bit I mean, that was that was definitely different than her typical reaction. But they're also not doing a good job of telling you anything else about this person they're just trying to team her up with people you like so that hopefully you like her too now like that's the new thing they're doing with her um it, it is true by the way I, I definitely remember over the past few weeks they have 100 not necessarily during the match but during entrances like some of the more notable oh this is piped in has been for Lacey. so it, again it's really hard i can't to tell, tell the exactly. difference so i yeah i i i'll but, take you yeah but there there have been ones where it's like I mean, you can usually tell based on kind of like volume control, you know, the weird up and downs. Like there, there have been a few that I've been like, oh, this is piped in. But I'm not saying all of them, but I just definitely remember a few of them. But, you know, Lacey's Lacey. If, by the way, if she is a heel, that's not a bad feud. If, if you're just kind of not for SummerSlam, but it, assuming Lacey makes uh, Liv makes it out from SummerSlam. Like if Lacey's a heel, that's not a terrible feud to, to last a month or whatever. I would be a little concerned about what direction that feud would go. Um, but I, I hear you. I, I, I really hope we, we're, you know, we're, we can change to another topic and so we can um, yep. edit this at some point. But uh, I do think that Bailey coming back is really important. I mean, yeah. I think a lot, all the things that we just said, some of the problems we've, we've laid out are fixed by Bailey being there. Um, I think, I think when Bailey was there, of, now, of course, this is a little absurd because they always do this, but there was a little less reliance on Becky and Charlotte when Bailey was there. Mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately, you know, the Sasha Banks situation has worked out the way it has, um, at least for now. That was the other person that sort of alleviated a little bit of the Charlotte all the time, Becky all the time. That's it. Um I will tell you, I think that Becky has done a much better job at evolving so that it doesn't feel like that as much with her as it does with Charlotte, who is just the same character always. And not to be too critical because she is the best wrestler on the roster. But, you know, I, I, I do think that I give Becky a pass because she is a completely different character now than she was. And, and by the way, she's a, she's a very different character than she was three months ago. Like she's not just yes. heel. No, the current character is the best work that Becky Lynch has done in WWE. Yeah. 
yeah, to it, this date, in it, my it's, opinion. It's tremendous, and I guess we're going Bianca Becky at SummerSlam again, which you know, it, it's kind I don't of get it. Yeah. Like, we're, we're going, we're just doing, you know, is, is SummerSlam the new WrestleMania pay backlash? Like, <laughs> we're just doing nothing but rematches of WrestleMania when it comes to the big matches at SummerSlam? Because this isn't the first year they've done that either. It seems to be kind of a growing trend that kind of WrestleMania, or SummerSlam, well, let's just take whatever big match was that, you know, last well, year was well, supposed to be Bianca Sasha. The year before we got Seth Brock again, or what, two years, three But years, last year was, other than that match that was supposed to happen, I felt like last year was a sort of fresh card. Like we had John Cena, Roman Reigns. Right. We no, had but, but, but you did have what Seth was, you did have what was considered, you know, the big match. It was the match everyone was talking about coming out of WrestleMania. Ah, we got to do it again at SummerSlam. Which one? The, the Bianca Sasha. Oh, that one. Right. I mean, and it's okay to do that for one match. It's sure. absurd to do it for multiple matches. And it's, we're, I wouldn't be surprised if we end up with a few of them this year. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're definitely getting to, um, uh, trying to think who else. I mean, I, I don't know who else could necessarily do it, but yes, no, it wouldn't shock me if this is just. I mean, a- it's a little different, but we are getting the Miz and Logan Paul involved with each other. Well, again. yeah. But you know what? At least that's an evolved feud and, and, and I don't know if we want to get into that now, or if we want to hold that for a few minutes let's hold, here. Let's but... hold it. Let's hold it for a few minutes. All right. Now let's get to the other money in the bank. Theory wins. Theory's at. As soon as he was added, I think everyone kind of realized what was happening there. Um, you know, we, yeah. we didn't expect it coming in because we also expected that he was facing Cena at SummerSlam, which uh, I guess isn't a thing, which is weird, but okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, and apparently there's some kind of update about that. Like, I mean, that's part of this conversation, too, that we could have is, is like, does that mean they don't have Cena or does that mean that there's another plan? I would tend to think it means they don't have. Uh, if, if they have Cena and he's not facing theory, like, what are we doing here? Right. Well, what on earth are we doing here? Because you tease this match on social media and on the air um, and you're not doing it. He, it must mean they don't have him for one reason or another. You know, I'm sure we'll find out why in the next week or so. But whatever scene is happening, we're getting, you know, obviously he loses the title. He's getting the rematch. I'm actually curious to see what they do with that, if they even potentially have him win it. So he carries the uh, belt and the briefcase at once. I doubt that's the case. We'll see. But I thought the interesting thing really coming out of it, other than just kind of speculating exactly where they'll go with the briefcase, is it kind of made it, it. I noticed this a lot on the Internet. It made people kind of question why why exactly were they booing theory why they didn't like theory is it that they don't like theory like they actually don't like theory they don't like how he's being pushed they don't like etc or is it that wwe just doing a really good job of making him an unlikable heel you know he, he is the the good looking guy who wwe is going to like and they're playing into that so it's almost one of those things where it almost doesn't matter but i did find it interesting to see whether it's reddit threads whether it's twitter stuff people actually questioning why exactly they don't like theory well it, it's it. funny because i think i think it's what what you said right i think it's it's sort of both but i think that's the brilliance of how he was booked because they were like well we're gonna telegraph you we're gonna tell you that we're shoving him down your throat because we want you to boo him and so like i feel like in trying to uh in trying to like overthink this, I'm going to hate the guy that WWE wants me to, to, that, that, that they want to push to the moon or whatever. They're playing right into the hand of what they want. 
which is they want this guy to be the most hated guy on the show. Um, yeah. So I think, I think it's both, but I think it's like planned to be that way. Now that's a good point, Brandon, because uh, one of the things that I observed kind of at the end of the match and based on other people that I saw that were in the building at the MGM grant for money in the bank, it was kind of like, you know, there wasn't much of a reaction there because I think when you talk about theory, when he was, introduced on the roster he was introduced as like the 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 goofball heel you know or the uh quote unquote chicken shit heel that you want to see like humiliated but doesn't get like real heat so they got to manufacture the heat because i compared it a little bit to mjf whereas i think theory right now you know and they can obviously change if they develop him and you know force you as the fans and as the crowd to hate him Right now, I feel like Theory is the heel that they just want to kind of see embarrassed and humiliated because I've often made this comment about Theory that he plays a really good doofus. Like, he plays a really good idiot heel. Just, you know, he's got those stupid, like, look blank looks on his face and whatnot. You saw it when they introduced him where he was kind of like Vince's little pet project and Vince smacked him in the face and, you know, he just looks like an idiot. But... They want to get him, I think, to where he's like a real heel that actually gets heat because that's how I compared him with like MJF on AEW. Whereas I feel like MJF, even though the crowd, you know, is kind of being a willful participant in it, it seems like with MJF, like they really want to see this guy get his ass kicked. And I don't know if they're there yet with theory. Maybe they're slowly starting to get there by like what you said, Brandon, where it's like, we're going to go ahead and push him down your throat to make you hate this guy. See, yeah. I, I, I wasn't quite thinking MJF, but I was thinking The Miz. I was absolutely kind of, and, and he's following. They don't, the Miz. they don't want him to be, and, and look, I like Miz. I'm actually a bigger fan of his than most of the people online. I think he does a great job, but you know what Miz is. Miz is not like a very big guy. Right. No, Wes, that's a good point. They want him to yeah. be Randy Orton. That's what they yeah. want. They, yeah. they want okay. him to be, I, that, no, that's a bit important distinction because I think when you say like, I do think. By the way, the MJF thing is a whole other can of worms. Yeah. But like, just just to just to not dig into it, but say that somebody looking at MJF should also want him to be that. You know what I mean? And that's where he's different from the Miz. Like MJF is different from the Miz because he should be in the main event. He should be like the Miz will get his main I, events. I guess I, I guess I was thinking kind of Miz two thousand ten where, you know, he wins the briefcase. He kind of turns a little dial on his character. to be Sure, I guess more. before they knew that he, what he long-term was. I mean, I, I think they see this guy as the future of the company. I don't know oh, if they sure. ever thought that about The Miz. That's fair, I, well, that's fair. If you compare Theory and The Miz, obviously Theory, you know, not, not compared to like Lashley, but for his size, Theory has kind of that bodybuilder physique. And you look at Miz, I almost look at him a little bit of a, di of a different type of heel. And, and, you know, it's the common phrase, the chicken shit heel. That's what the Miz is because nobody buys the Miz as a tough guy. You know, no, nobody does that. It's kind of a little bit, you know, like Tully Blanchard back in the 1980s and Jim Crockett promotions. Nobody bought Tully as a tough guy and that's what got him heat. But it's like, cause you have guys in the crowd. They're like, well, I can go in and kick his butt. You know, I'd be, yeah. nobody's going to think that about like some jacked up guy like, a, you know, lastly, that's more of an absurd example. But even a guy yes. like Theory, I mean, Theory is a pretty built dude. 
And, you know, nobody's going to think, I'm just going to smack this guy around because that's the thing that they don't want with theory. Like you said, Brandon, they want him to be like a Randy Orton type. They don't want him to be like the, the chicken shit heel that backdoors his way into a win like Miz does. Yeah, it's funny that you say that, though, because that's that transitions into the next conversation about him, which is, OK, now he has the briefcase. So what are we doing with this thing? Is he is he holding this thing for a, an ultra long time, which, in my opinion, is the right move? Um, if maybe I'm not seeing something in front of my face as to why they should turn pull the trigger with him at SummerSlam, I just don't see it. Um, what do what do you guys think about that? So here's my thought, which is that 100% this should be used as some, you know, we saw it when Edge held the briefcase. We saw it when Rollins held the briefcase. Like, they used the briefcase in a long run to solidify themselves as credible people before cashing in. And the, the long runs with the briefcase were absolutely essential to, to the runs that they had. That being said, I, I did see a stat that makes me really concerned, which is that if Theory cashes in in the next two months, he technically becomes the youngest WWE champion ever. And you know that they love to do the, the youngest whatever, the record-breaking whatever. Um, you know, Randy Orton is technically the youngest world heavyweight champion ever, but Brock is still the youngest WWE champion, and, and Theory is a little younger than Brock when he won it. Um, there is absolutely part of me that they see that they're like, Oh my God, we can call him the youngest WWE champion ever. That's going to be awesome. That's going to be, you know, tremendous for him going forward. And if we do want him to be that cornerstone guy that, you know, we, we basically, since we saw him in Joppa, we are like, Oh my God, Vince, when he sees him is going to fall in love with him. Um, this is something that we can give him forever. So I'm, I'm very worried that there's going to be a correct. There's going to be two sides of the room and one who sees the writing on the wall that this should be a long one and one who just says, oh my God, we got to do this and put that label on him. Because, I mean, this totally spits in the face of sort of what we just said, what he what he needs to be long-term or what they need him to get to be. Um, there's also, you know, there's also nothing wrong with him being a chicken shit for a minute and transitioning into not a chicken shit. You know, that could be part of his story. But I will say this. There's a lot of problems associated with the idea of him cashing in at SummerSlam. The first one is the most obvious thing, the way to do that would be that means Brock Lesnar is beating Roman Reigns and that can't happen. Like that, that you just absolutely, can't happen. you say it can't happen. That just absolutely should not happen. Um, okay. And then he definitely shouldn't cash it in on Roman Reigns. Now the, I think I, I brought this up a couple of weeks ago and I, it would be, if you, how do I want to word this? If you're telling me he has to cash in, like I don't have the choice of he's not cashing in. The way I would do it is these guys kill each other. He walks out, inserts himself into the match and just stands there and they count to 10. He take, and then Paul Heyman has some clause where he only gets one of the titles or something. I think, and, and I hate that, but to the alternative of Brock Lesnar ending Roman Reigns two years, at least there's you're protecting Roman as much as you can in that scenario. Um, someone needs to get an actual rub from beating Roman Reigns. We've said this a hundred thousand times. This can't result in right. LOL Austin Theory runs in when he's dead and pins him. Like that can't be how Roman Reigns's reign ends. Um, so what? Let's talk about that. Like 
What do you guys think? For, A, do you think they're going to use this to separate the title somehow? And B, do you see us getting out of SummerSlam without some nightmare shit like this? I oh, go ahead, Wes. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I was going to say, would they to answer the first question? Like, they do need to separate the titles. We've talked about this for months now. Um, well, well hold on though. Like, they need to separate the titles as separate from. Is this how they do it? Right, exactly. Well, that's what I'm, I'm saying. Like, this I'm has sorry. always been yeah. this has always been the cleanest way to separate it. Is that, I, I mean, not clean in a, but you just have Heyman come out. You say it's only for one title. You play a play a clip from any of the past Money in the Banks where it says, you know, the briefcase holds a contract where he can challenge the champion of his choice. What you know, you you make it clear Heyman can do that. He's the perfect character to do that. It's fine, and I'm I'm all in on your let's have him walk out and, and, you know, basically have the first match go to a no contest more or less, but it's just so tricky to do that when it's the, the last match. Brock Lesnar, German suplexes, Roman reigns through eight tables or something. Then, then why oh, is the, Brock down? you like, that's, that's no, because, he, because or off the stage. I see. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's just so tricky. Yeah. Because it, you, you got to look too. You know, and we'll get into Vince in a moment, but we know what Vince does and how he books. It's like, okay, what's my main event at WrestleMania and what's my finish? And that's where we got to look in the next year. And it's like, what's the main event of WrestleMania? And we really don't know right now because the logical thing would be to be like, okay, it's in LA, Hollywood, SoFi Stadium, that it's Dwayne and Roman in the main event. But is Dwayne going to be available? Number one, he's got a football league that he's launching next spring and probably has other film and TV product projects. So we don't know if he's going to be busy. So where do you go, you know, with Roman? Like, do you have him lose to Brock right here? And does that take steam off any potential match with Roman and Dwayne at WrestleMania, or maybe even Roman and Cody Rhodes, who I think we all kind of anticipate based on the schedule that Cody Rhodes is going to be back at the Royal Rumble and it's going to be the Cena thing in the garden several years ago. And Cody's going to win the Royal Rumble and he's going to have a ticket to the main event in WrestleMania. So how do you kind of get there? And this is what WWE often does. You kind of box yourself into a corner and you got to like fight your way out of it a little bit. So, you know, I'm not sure really what they're going to do. And that's the thing with theory. It's like, maybe, you know, you play this out and you don't have him cash in immediately you know maybe you wait until you know almost a full year you know till may or till june when he finally cashes this in where it's like he's got the case you could still maybe do the cena match at like survivor series because they've certainly been teasing that match and even if he loses it's not like he loses the case i mean that's absolutely what they should do um by the way you just said something interesting i i did think the other night uh we do have to talk about the possibility that he doesn't cash in the briefcase <laughs> and that someone Fair else ends up with the briefcase. But I don't know if they are, because I initially thought that, that they were going to do him like Baron Corbin or like Sandow or somebody where you, he fails with the case. Because not everybody, obviously, it makes it unrealistic if everybody Correct. wins just getting the money in the bank briefcase. But... I don't think that they want to do that with theory because then they've kind of put him in, like we were just saying, into like that Miz territory where he's always there, but a lot of the people don't take him seriously. And I think that they want them to take this guy seriously. 
What do you make of them putting him against Lashley at SummerSlam? Because I I think it's weird. Weird. Like I, I and that's why first, I, first of all, we do have to acknowledge and and and, and I, I do want the people. I wish the people who are blinded by the we didn't want theory to win money in the bank stuff that's happening right now. I hope they all acknowledge how good he was in that match. That match was to me, if you don't count money in the bank matches, that was the best match on the card. I thought him and Lashley put on a hell no. of a match. Well, no, 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 no. It was not better than Street Profits and Usos. Okay, fair. It's the best <laughs> singles match. It was the best singles match. It was a really good match. I was really, 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 really impressed with those two and their chemistry. And I, it's not on paper something I would have thought would have worked like that. I, it, it, it's, it's like one of those things where you see that and you're like, and maybe that's why we're getting it again, right? Like that deserves a stage like SummerSlam or WrestleMania or something. Like I thought it was a really good match. I thought it was with people that we don't typically see in a match like that. Um, just, I mean, you know, I'll, I guess I can insert my uh, Glenn's um, fawning over Bobby Lashley here since he's not here. I mean, just that's another problem is you've got this guy standing there that definitely should be part of all of these conversations too. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really interesting that you're putting him up against Lashley again and I wonder if this turns into a briefcase versus the belt kind of thing. Oh, um, I wouldn't like that. I, I wouldn't I, be in I, favor of that. I mean, well, but he can't win, right? I, well, you think he the, wins? That's the, uh, I, well, first of all, I do think he could win. We've had. Oh, wait, there. by the way. Well, actually, you know what? I just thought of something. If we go back to the Seth Rollins formula, if we go yep. back to um, who was the other person you mentioned that held it for a really. Edge. If those people lost a lot of matches, right? Between uh, winning the briefcase, they, they lost matches, but they would also get like they they were they would basically get a big win, get a big loss. Like yes. So the way that you could justify him not cashing in is that Lash they make that Lashley match end in a way where he can't it hurt hurt lock for however long, and he's coming out on Monday with a neck brace. Yes. Yeah, that works. And yeah, that's the other thing is you do have to, because if he doesn't cash in, unless someone, you know, is truly standing tall at the end, it, it makes him look silly if he doesn't cash in at the end of the last. Right. You have to explain it. Yeah. Um, so that's possible. I just, I don't understand. Like, I don't know. It feels weird to just run this back. Like it's not the only, if you, it's simply about, well, we need a big match for Lashley. We want a big match for theory. Like there are other options on both sides as far as, you know, who you can put them in. Um, you know, it comes back to, did they think they had Cena and something happened in the last, you know, week that we don't know about? Um, it, it, the whole Cena thing is just so confusing because it's very clear they want it. Unless, by the way, if they were teasing knowing that they didn't have Cena, that's awful. That's horrendous. Um, to be but, fair, though, like they teased that, but they also had John Cena tell you, I don't know what I'm wrestling again and no one attacked him. Like if, 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 if theory attacked him and then they didn't have the match, I think that's more egregious. But I think when you literally had him say, cause no one interrupted his segment, they did that all backstage. 
And I think you do stuff like that all the time. You know what I mean? I mean, you, you, they do. I don't know. They there were so they used to do stuff with Steve Austin where they knew he wasn't wrestling ever, and he would have stare downs with people or whatever. You know what I mean? Like but this was beyond a stare down, and and that really goes against like the modus operandi of how yes. looks. It's like I'm not going to tease a match that I can't give the audience that I can't deliver here. So you know that's where I'm kind of confused of like what they're doing with Cena. Is he like the backup plan? WrestleMania or going into the road to WrestleMania if Dwayne's not going to be available to do that long potential match that we have all foreseen with him and Roman where he kind of cements Roman as the post-Cena guy of this WWE generation so yeah I mean eventually they got to do like a Cena theory match because they've teased it but it's like when do they do it do they do it now you know or, or, or in the short term I should say over the next few months where, you know, even if Theory loses that match, he's still got the rub as like, hey, this guy's at least a potential main eventer. He doesn't lose the case. Then you make him kind of a little bit of a slight back burner going into WrestleMania, and then he uses the case in like May or June or July of next year. Yeah, I, that, that all works as long as they have a plan there. I'm, I'm a little worried that they're just kind of flying by the seat of their pants. I, as far as who went, and that's the thing is, I just can't quite figure out why the Russian of the U.S. title? Other than I guess it, it just works. It's it's easy to do, um, and sometimes, especially with everything going on, they're just going to look for easy for the next uh, few months. Well, plus we know they don't care about that title. I mean, that's right. the other thing. I mean, we right. we all speculated, and then we got confirmation with a quote from somebody where they said, literally, Vince doesn't care about the U.S. or Intercontinental titles, and I so mean, the yeah. I mean, we all knew that, but they we had a statement where it was said, we're like verbatim. So yeah, I, I that there's your answer as those, far as rushing someone to the U.S. title. Those are supposed to be like heel titles to kind of like get a guy like the Intercontinental Championship used to be. Get that guy to where he's seen as a main eventer and then we put him in the world title picture. But I almost feel like these ancillary titles, the IC title, the US title, kind of work a little bit better on baby faces now. Because remember when John Cena won the US title and he did that like US title open mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. What Cody did with the TNT title? Because I thought the TNT title, you know, not to switch too much to AEW here, but I thought that TNT title had a lot more credibility when Cody had it, when he's wrestling different guys every week and, you know, a chance to kind of make a guy. Whereas now it's kind of like just another random title on the show. Yeah. I And, and like, as silly as the, to think about it now, because they, you know, I hate to use the word Barry because I think it's overused, but they sort of killed him off. But for a minute, it made Ricochet feel like way more important, <laughs> you know? And it, and that's the like tarnished, like no one cares about this intercontinental yeah. title where they had him beating people every week. And it just made him feel like, oh, this is like a character on the show I should care about and he can do cool things. So like, I totally agree with you. Like there is a way to use these that, that if you put the person on the show every week and you have no intention of them dropping the title, that means they're winning a match every week. And guess what? That does. It just builds the character and it makes people care about them more. Shockingly, it, who imagine that? Like, <laughs> I mean, the, but the bad, the bad thing at all this is like you can do that when you have a title. You don't have a title right now. So if you're saying, well, there's no raw title and the U.S. title doesn't matter 
and the tag titles aren't, you know, there's technically no. Well, I, sus- I suspect that's why Bobby Lashley has this U.S. title right now. But, because, uh, so, yeah. so are we thinking that, but we know, or we think that it has to happen. The titles have to be split up again. Like that's the whole confusing thing about all of this is just the, what is the state of WWE after SummerSlam as far as title pictures go? Because Roman can't continue to have all the belts on himself when he's not showing up. We can't have like we can't have the single title has failed as a thing. You can't have it. I don't think you can have it on anybody, but you especially can't have it on Brock or Roman. Do you, you, you know what's what wild? Do you know what's wild? To think about a time where we all complained about John Cena holding a title all the time when he was on the show every week and defend. Yep. yep. Like think about that. How yeah. great was that? <laughs> in theory if if you from by the way if you promised me a three-month john cena title reign right now where he was actually showing up i'd take it in a heartbeat of course i mean it's insane to think like i mean listen we all you know are in our bubble when things are happening at that time or whatever but like think about it now you had john cena the biggest star on the show hold the title which everyone was upset about Going over credible opponents, having credible matches, and was always there and on every pay-per-view. And we hated it. <laughs> <laughs> and now the guy's not we even there, and we hate it too. <laughs> That's the whole thing. You know, when you go away for a little bit while, it's kind of like you miss him. And I never thought that I think the bulk of the fan base would get to that point where it's like, you know what? I kind of really miss John Cena on Isn't this. it crazy? Yes. It's crazy. And th- Aaron, at SummerSlam, that reaction oh, was bonkers. Cena right now, if John it was like Cena a stone, came, it was like if Stone Cold Steve Austin came out. If John Cena came in and squashed Roman Reigns, people would lose their minds in happiness, which it's, is it's true. Like <laughs> it's 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 absolutely wild to think about. But again, it goes back to kind of the theory problem, which is like that the the Money in the Bank device is the cleanest way to separate the titles the titles have to be separated but oh my god we don't want like that's why we were all kind of saying well it's got to be drew or seth because this should happen quickly and this is the easiest way to separate those titles and these titles have to be separated and now with theory we're stuck between oh my god these titles have to be separated but we have no idea how like we don't want it to be theory right now because that's too quick so that's an issue it it, it's a massive issue yeah. Um, is there other, anything? Other, I, I was gonna say the other WWE specific thing I wanted to talk about was is uh, we we mentioned it earlier the return of Logan Paul that being established for SummerSlam. Um, in like I I said it I really liked Logan Paul's work at WrestleMania. I don't know why Glenn was so down on it. He, uh, I thought he was fantastic, but he's fantastic as a heel. If the idea is to return him as a face, that's going to fail so spectacularly. Like, will it though? Yes. Yes. If he's, will, if, no. It'll like because, they will cheer the Miz. They will cheer the Miz over Logan Paul. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. That's the thing about Miz. Like Miz is good at playing heel. But if you've ever watched, and I know maybe a lot of people don't watch it, but if you've ever watched any of Miz and Misses, which airs right after Raw, you see. And and if you watch him in any of his media appearances, like outside when he's on, like you know. NFL network or he's going to be playing I think this weekend in the American Century golf celebrity 
championship. Yeah, he, like, he's, he's the second biggest long shot to Charles Barkley. Yes, yes, he is. I think 5,001, but he's really good in those appearances. And when you watch him on Miz and Misses, you're like, how do people hate this guy? This guy's a good dude. He loves his wife. He's got the two adorable little girls. He's a good dad, you know? He's willing to kind of make fun of himself. And like, like the, the Miz is like a really good dude that just plays heel. So I would think against Logan Paul, and I agree with you guys, I thought his work actually in the ring, I could tell that he'd put some training in or some guys down at the the PC really worked with him because he looked pretty clean in that match. You know, he, he I did. Mean, he but, 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 but by the way, I think it's beyond the, whether Miz is a good guy or not. I think that Logan Paul instantly becomes the most hateable guy in the company because, but, but hold on, but hold on. You're forgetting about, I mean, you, you see what they're setting up here, right? Like if they're putting him with AJ styles, I, I do think, I do think that helps. Now, will it, will I don't it, know if it helps enough. I mean, if the weirdest part of this, and we do have to talk about this because I, I simultaneously love it and think it's really weird. I did not see this as the usage of Tommaso Ciampa on the main roster. Yeah, that's weird bit. If, if, if he is like the Miz's goon, there's two things. I kind of love it, but it also scares me as far as, once this storylines, because we know what happened to the other Miz. Yeah, Miz's I mean, it's, it, it's great because it keeps Champa relevant because the Miz is relevant. But right. I mean, we wanted so much more for Champa. But also, like, if you were going to do this, why did you have AJ just beat him last week or whatever that was two weeks ago? Like they did a match, right, with Champa and AJ. And AJ just pinned him, right? It was just a clean match. Uh, if I remember this correctly. I think that's right. It did all blurs together, but I think that's right. I mean, if you're telling me Tommaso Ciampa is on SummerSlam, I love that, right? Yeah, right, exactly. So it's like, we're, we're happy that he's relevant because the, uh, the, the alternative is he's just not used. But, right. you know. And, and then the, the Logan Paul of it all <laughs> is like, man... Like, Tommaso Ciampa is only in this match because you don't trust Logan Paul to go one-on-one with The Miz. Like, And I guess that's the thing. By the way, if this is a tag, definitely a tag match and AJ's involved, like, maybe Logan's team gets here. But I just, I feel like it's something where whenever Logan tags in, he gets booed and people are try- hoping that he tags back into AJ. Do you like, think it helps at all if they do, like, any kind of work? Like, if they have him on the show, they have him fight... Who are, who's all like Jinder Mahal? Who are all the people that are getting booed no matter what? Jinder Mahal, Ridge Holland, um, you know, line up everyone that everyone hates and you have him wrestle those people and then come in and save it. Is there anything they can do? I I, I don't know. Like I, I I genuinely feel like I'm trying to envision and like Jinder Mahal has been entertaining for the past few weeks with all the shanky stuff. That is true. And I'm like, first of all, I, I, I love Jinder Mahal. Let me just say that. Yeah. I, I do love Jinder Mahal. Aaron's the one who thought Jinder yeah, Mahal yeah, yeah. is going to ruin SmackDown, yada, yada, yada. Blah, blah, we blah. love, we, we generally but, but, love. But no, I, I know, I know what you're saying, but I'm, I'm genuinely, I'm putting, I'm trying to put these matches in my head. Like, I think that Logan Paul is toxic as a face. I, I genuinely believe that. I think that. But didn't he kind of get some cheers already? Not really. Like, like when, when cheer- he. In any of his appearances, like, you know, 
when Ke- the the whole thing, you know, there was the Kevin oh, Owens that mess of a, yeah, that was a mess. Well, and and then and Kevin Owens stunned him at the end, and that was the biggest cheer of the night. <laughs> That's true. And uh, <laughs> you know, you had Miz get cheered for turning on him at the end of WrestleMania. Like we thought, oh, is this That's a, a face turn for the yep. Miz? That's true. And, like I, I genuinely think Logan Paul is he's just. I mean, a he's a bad dude, and b he's a nat- such a completely and utterly natural heel that I. I don't know that there is anybody who would help get Logan. Maybe Paul they get smart no, at the what? last second and it's no, all know, a ploy to yeah, turn him. And, and maybe, and maybe that's it. I was going to say, maybe Vince McMahon right now could help turn him face, but uh, <laughs> I don't even know if that's the case right now. Um, but yeah, like I, I think this is, if this is going forward, a Logan Paul face run, I think it could end up being one of the biggest disasters we've ever seen. And the only thing that would save it is that it's just a lot of kind of relatively meaningless matches. It, yeah. It's a mistake. I mean, this is not like a bad bunny thing where it's like, you know, once they saw bad bunny in the ring, it's like, Oh my God, this dude can do some things. You know, this guy's put in the work and Logan Paul certainly can do that from a work rate standpoint, but it's like, yeah, you know, bad bunny, I think was a lot more likable. Well, he's a likable person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. to be a dude that was happy to be there look he went and did shows in the empty performance center he bought in he showed respect for the business you know and well I'm and not, he's just a but, he's, he's not a bad thing. dude outside well of that's wrestling. see that's no the key is what aaron said because like by all by all reporting logan paul was doing this too he's down there right now you know training and they, they showed the the pictures and whatever of him busting his ass i think the problem is he's a douchebag already like in life and because that's his perception and i don't know him you know what i mean but that's what people think that's what his persona is his brother certainly isn't very liked either right and i think the paul brothers and the stigma they bring with them is the whole problem it's none of that other stuff i do i do think that people saw that wrestlemania match and everyone i talked to was like i can't stand logan paul but he was pretty good you know i mean i think that was all of the feedback, but, but it always started, <laughs> and it always started with, but I don't like him. Yep. Before they would give him credit. So I, you know, match with him, Bad Bunny and uh, Stephen Amell, who's the best. <laughs> I mean, it was Bad Bunny, but the, the, actually, that, that's what the interesting is like, all of these guest stars that were coming in lately have really kind of killed it. So it's pretty amazing. I'm trying to remember there was another character, uh, another celebrity that they tried to do this with that just got absolutely booed out of the building. And I'm trying to remember who it was. Was it? Um, I mean, there, there was in, in the guest host era, there were several. Was it Snooki? There was some, but there was someone no, they put Snooki in like. Snooki didn't necessarily get that bad a reaction. Like, there was someone they put in like a WrestleMania match that just got brutally booed. And I'm trying to, or, or like a pay-per-view match. And I'm trying to remember who it was. Um, was it Rob Gronkowski or yeah, people the... tended to like Gronk for the most, like, yeah, not, I can't not remember, but I feel I like we had the same conversation about some other celebrity where we were like, that was a big mistake trying to make yeah. that person. I can't, um, but I can't was, put though. my finger on who it was, but I just You're remember right. that ju- we literally came on this show and talked about oh, how, oh, oh, you know what it was? It was the segment with Lonzo ball. That's what I mean. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it was the balls. And, and, but it was for the same thing. They tried to make them faces when they are heels. The ball family are heels. <laughs> like, that, that's the exact situation it was. 
Um, yeah. So oh, be, be, before we move away from WWE, I, I don't think we have to spend a long time on the Vince thing. We, we did yeah. it a few weeks ago. We, we kind of know the latest thing. I mean, ideal i don't want to say ideally in a normal world this is the end for vince beard but they literally were selling brand new t-shirts for him on saturday at the at the show like i don't know that this will do more it should uh but would it surprise you if he comes out tonight here's here's the trick and 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 it puts an un i don't know how to say this i think it puts an undue amount of pressure and when I say that, it's like it's not like I'm talking to the people. But I think, aside from, I've been thinking, I've been sitting with this since I read the story that we chatted about earlier uh, that came out today. Uh, with new, it's you know, I guess we should say it's four four, uh, four more women at, who yes. have been paid hush money, including a former wrestler. Correct, and I think that. If that so, it on its face. If it's that's all we get, right? I don't think he's going anywhere. I think if those people start going on TV and talking about it, that's mm-hmm. when it would shift. And I don't think anyone ever will. And because they, and I'm not, I don't blame them either. By the way, I, let me just be frank. Like that's a very tough situation to be in. They've signed things that you know, w- whether it's right or wrong or whatever, they've signed things that that preclude them from talking about things or whatever if victims were coming on television or wherever and telling their own stories this would get way more serious way more way quick way quicker than it is agree but one thing this is this is a different media culture this is not you know mid-1980s when rita chatterton goes on and does an interview and then it's kind of like eh, it's just wrestling you know we don't care about it so you've seen so many of these stories i mean you've seen you know if you watch dark side of the ring how vince played a role in kind of covering up what happened with jimmy snooker right and mm-hmm. argentino so there's a laundry list of records but back during that time it was just like phil mushnick in the new york post who was seen as having a hard on for wrestling and not really liking the business so it's just like you know it was you know one guy against another guy but now we live in this different culture where and look i never thought that vince mcmahon you you knew that you know that none of this surprises us but it's like do we really have like a me too situation with vince mcmahon in 2022 after after all of this stuff has happened and look uh they brought stephanie back into the company i think she's kind of like just the face person and really from all reports the talent really likes her and the talent's really happy to have her back and have paul levesque back but we all we, we kind of thought, you know, before any of this stuff came out, I thought, OK, it's clear as day that Vince is not turning the business over to his kids, that Nick Khan is there for a reason. And my theory in terms of what was going to happen with WWE, I never thought like Vince was going to sell out to like Rupert Murdoch or, you know, some big conglomerate. I thought, OK, Nick Khan eventually is going to run this company and maybe they're going to have a partnership with like a film studio and that's going to bring in Dwayne like I always felt like The Rock was going to own some of WWE because him and Nick Khan are so close so you know I think it does put it in a little bit of doubt I mean like I don't think Vince can go on Smackdown tonight and you know I didn't think he could go on Smackdown three weeks ago yeah 
and and then raw again i mean like i'll just say this and, and then you know we've got to cut again um i i think the difference in what we've been seeing as a society in this specific situation is that this stuff is turning up in a board investigation and it's not people coming out and telling stories and i do think and i'm by the way I'm not saying that makes it okay because he should be gone yesterday. You know what I mean? In my opinion. But, but there's a lot more pressure if there's, there's a, a lot more than what happens is if these people were coming to the board and saying he did this to me and I'm telling my story, this is a completely different thing. And he's probably gone already. And that's unfortunate because I think it's just, I mean, it doesn't make it less bad, but I think that, you know, it's like just to give a, a, a professional sports, it's like not the same thing, but kind of the same, like, it's like seeing is believing, not seeing is believing, but seeing is taking more seriously or whatever, like in the Ray Picture, Rice situation. Yes, the pictures and videos. Nothing always. happened until that video came out. Then all of exactly. a sudden he was gone. But he would go two game suspension before that or whatever. Yep. So anyway. So, yeah. So, you know, most likely this will be status quo. Most likely it'll be him uh, coming to the back again and yelling, what, what did he yell? Fuck them all or whatever. Most right. likely, most likely it's that, and and we move on. But you know, it's just another thing, and as Glenn says, even more of a Mickey Mouse organization. So, uh, I think that's it for WWE. We'll take a break here. Come back with there's actually some NXT to talk about and AEW. All right, you know, guys, we got for I feel like God. When's the last time we talked about NXT, Brandon? It's been a month, probably at least. I mean, that, that we, since we actually talked about it, yeah, we mentioned things briefly, but. There's quite a bit going on on NXT yeah, now. I was going to say, I think Apollo Crews was probably the last time we actually talked about it. Um, I guess I'm a little, con- I shouldn't say confused, surprised to an extent about the uh, Cora Jade and uh, Roxanne Perez winning the women's tag title simply because if Mandy was to lose the title, you would think it would be to one of those two. And this doesn't necessarily put them out of the possibility. And look, based on how WWE has ever used women's tag titles, it probably means they'll start feuding over who's getting the actual title shot while ignoring the tag titles. But it's a little bit of a weird move. It feels like that. I mean, they already have set up the Mandy Rose, uh, Roxanne Perez match for this week. Um, she's cashing in her, her opportunity. Um, I think, yeah, I agree. This is weird because I think, when she won that opportunity now to be fair i don't think anyone who's ever won i could be wrong about this but i don't think anyone who's ever won a match that way has actually won i'm trying Uh, to think through it like those tournaments and things i don't think i think they've always gotten a match and just kind of had a good match i'm trying to think of one of them one like the north american title or something like that i i'd have to think about it but they, they definitely haven't won the world title coming out of it but this is the first women's uh breakout tournament so Right, but didn't like um, the Cameron Grimes win the who, somebody won? Was it Keith? Oh, I guess Keith Lee did win. Did he win? I can't remember who won the breakout tournament. I, I, I'd have to see to to take a look at who won. <laughs> I, I know it was um, what was ACH's name? He won the first uh, breakout oh, tournament. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's weird because I think that we were all surprised when. They were doing. They were cutting that promo. <clears throat> okay. By the way, Carmelo Hayes used it to win the North there American you. title. Okay. Yeah. They were cutting that promo, and then it turned to the tag thing. I mean, I th- I I always thought that she would go immediately chase Mandy, and and it's even weirder that they won the belts. So they, they did the match, and then they won the belts. 
like I wonder, is this a way, are they just trying to turn Cora Jade heel or something? Like, are they just going to lose the, 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 the tag belts shortly? Or is there going to be some weird, you know. What's the like, point of that, though? I don't know. But I, <laughs> I don't understand why they won. I, I really don't. It makes no sense. Um, uh, I don't know. Wes, uh, you got anything? I am very in and out on NXT. I'm actually getting caught up with you guys because, you know, I just haven't been watching a lot of this NXT 2.0 lately because they're kind of in the middle where they want to make it like a big television production and keep the production value, but yet they want to make it like a true developmental territory, which I don't necessarily mind. But, you know, when I compare like what I see with NXT 2.0 right now, and then going back to before we even had an NXT when it was FCW, I feel like FCW was better. I think probably because they had better workers. And, you know, when when Hunter and the whole company, they were just buying the guys and gals from the indies. But I'm just kind of in and out. And I was going to ask you guys, am I missing something? Like, should I be paying attention and watching this show more? Um. Not really. And there's a reason that we haven't talked about it for like a month. There are still good workers. I like Roxanne Perez, I think is an excellent worker. She was, you know, Roxy uh, in Ring of Honor. She's the Ring of Honor women's champion. I think she's a good worker. I think there's, you know, uh, I think Carmelo Hayes has been excellent lately. Cameron Um, Grimes is an excellent worker. Yeah, like I, I think there's still some workers there, but no, I wouldn't say that, you know, you're really missing anything if you miss, you know, if you're not watching, like if I'm being honest about it. Like, there's been, it's been, there's been good stuff, but there's been nothing like a couple of years ago when we would come on here and say that the best match in all of WWE was on NXT last week. The, the, the best show for right. you know, on a weekly basis was the NXT. best pay-per-views, the best show, the best, you know. Now, I will say this, though. It is interesting that if you would go back and watch like the first couple episodes of NXT before it turned into the thing that we all loved. Sure. Back in 2013, 2014. Yeah. Right now is more similar to that than, it, than it had been. Yeah. Um, uh, they, they found or like some someone sort of- all of a sudden would be a different character the next week, you know, like they did that all the time back then. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all forget about freaking Adam Rose. Like that feels like a, nxt 2.0 kind of thing you know what i mean like there was a lot of goofy characters and weird things and it wasn't adam cole versus you know tomaso champa or whatever every week that's not what it was it turned into that and we had sammy Zayn there but sammy Zayn, i mean go back and watch some of that stuff like we all i think I, he, he was he, he was he was a tremendous worker but didn't quite have the person he was outside. directionless right like he was yeah, a tremendous and, and worker well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they did. The character have was directionless. A little bit, yes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's NXT 2.0 is better than it was in November. It still has a long way to go. And it does feel like a lot of times they're just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. But I will say this there's a couple perform. I mean, just, I guess, for Wes's sake here, there's a couple performers on there that are in their 20s that are, in my opinion, going to be huge stars. One of them is the champion, Braun Breaker, who we know the pedigree of him. I was following when he when he was doing that stuff with like Ziggler and yeah, he, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's incredible that guy's his total matches are still 
under 50, I think, or maybe even under 30. He has not wrestled that much. And he's, and I think that's an important distinction here is that like, he just main evented this show like somebody who's wrestled 300 times. <laughs> you know what I mean? The um, biggest problem for him is that there's not like as much as we love Cameron Grimes, like he, we knew he wasn't going to win that. He, he hasn't had a credible challenger yet, really. Yeah, um, there's not a rival. Yeah. Right. Although the that, one the, the one challenger we say is incredible beat him for the title. <laughs> well, Dolph Ziggler. We, I know, but that that was such a, you know, we complained about that at the time. <laughs> um I think that uh I think if if you look at that guy and you don't see money, you're not looking the right way. Oh, I yeah. think there's a lot of development to come for some of these people. Nikita Lyons is another one I think my god, like just is so marketable and so young. And I think that's the important part is like, these they're people are they, right. Exactly. They're, they're going to get nothing but better in that system. They're, I think Nikita Lyons is 22. And I think is breaker 23 or something. I mean, these people are, if, if they can't, if by the time they're 25 or 26, these guys Braun, aren't Braun's 24, but yeah. Yeah. Hitting on all cylinders and there's something wrong. Cause like, there's a lot of people who didn't have this system at that age. You know what I mean? Like we talked about like the NXT people of, that we like were coming in the system at 30 and already on the Indies for a few years or whatever. Um, it's just really interesting to see. And, and I say all that to say like, but at the same time as a product, that's the problem with it. Right. Is that that's all this is. And it's, and it's like you, you hit the nail on the head, Wes, when you said, when you said they want it to be this show, but they also want it to be developmental. And it's, it's never been more developmental than it is right now. Um, but th- there's some things that are starting to come together. Uh, just to talk about the bash a little bit. Uh, the, <sighs> what, what else was on that show? I'm trying to think. There was something else interesting on that that I wanted to talk about. We talked about the title match. We talked about the women. So um, the women's match or the women's title, where are we going with that? Like, do we think I, that I can't figure that out now? Yeah. Like, does it, they, they sort of teased Nikita Lyons. Right. And then she got attacked. Like to me, that's oh, where by you the go. Way, Carmel, Carmelo Hayes and uh, Grayson Waller was another good, very good. Yes. Match. Very good. Ma- Grayson Waller is another guy that you might've seen on rock a few times who is sort of my brother actually. So my brother, dips in and dips out of wrestling in general and he pointed something out to me and i was like i was it it hit me when i was watching nxt because i was just thinking in the in the frame of the main roster uh because that's how he mentioned this is that like there's kind of a lot of like quote unquote d-bag characters right now and i was like you know what you're right like because grace and waller you could put into the same category as an austin theory as Mm -hmm. you know and there is a lot of emphasis on that kind of heel and it is weird um but and yeah 2.0 uh grace and waller is someone that i think has a bright view he's he's way bigger uh than i thought he was like when i think who did he fight that he just towered over was it ziggler or um or he was standing next to somebody and i just couldn't maybe it was even breaker he he was he was taller than one of those guys um anyway yeah that that match was very very good um the trick williams thing was bizarre i don't really know why they did that yeah yeah. that was that's kind of isn't that nxt in a nutshell like there's this good thing (laughs) there's a couple things that are like wait a second what just happened (laughs) 
Tony D'Angelo's <laughs> killing people now. Well, I, I did enjoy that. We 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 kind of <laughs> joked about that. That's the perfect thing to do. If they have to disappear somebody, just have them get shot in the head. It's so perfect, and I love it. And I love them playing into it, and it absolutely works. So Wes, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Tony D'Angelo, but he's like a mafia character, and he's legitimately offing. Yeah, people. I've seen a little bit of it. <laughs> well, yeah, well, 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 one of their guys got popped for steroids or whatever, so they had to release him. They're just like, oh, he's sleeping with the fishes now. Awesome, perfect. That's but they exactly shot the but was. they shot the angle like literally standing on the bridge, like he just threw him in, <laughs> like he just threw him in in the ocean or whatever. Um, and then what were the pictures of Santos Escobar? Yeah, Hello? Yeah, no, I was just asking. Oh. So this did he off Zachary Wentz too, or was that a different No, thing? Zachary Wentz just kind of went away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, th- this this was uh we have to kill him off. Which yeah. which I approve of. I, what, I, I, what was the picture of Santos Escobar? Was it was he tied up or what what was that? I couldn't he see was, he what was their... in the hospital. It looked like he was in the hospital. He was on like breathing tubes or whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <They're> like <laughs> Yeah, like it, it was a funny bit. I enjoy it. I enjoy everything, Tony. It's like I said, you you give everything into a character. It doesn't matter what the character is, people will react. You know, we've said that how many? Yeah. Oh, by the way, WWE, we gotta mention this. Speaking of giving everything into a character and people will react. Oh yes. Maximum male models is going to again. It may never be a huge thing, but it's going to get over because they are giving everything into this, and we respond to people giving everything into this. The only thing that's even mildly weird about is like you have pretty deadly down in NXT. How are they not part of this? Uh, <laughs> and you have a, uh, uh, whatever uh, Fabian Eichner's new character's name yeah, is. Right. But exactly. By the way, all he, three yeah. of those people should be <laughs> right. Um, but yes, but, but again, as far as but, giving everything into a gimmick, you give a hundred percent, we're going to react. We react to Tony D'Angelo. It's wonderful. But what it, what is that guy's name? Uh, Masse. Masse <laughs> Mansois. Mansois got me. Like when they said Mansois. Like, this guy's had like four gimmicks. And when oh, I yeah. saw that, and I understand why people are amused by it, I'm like, man, this dude's getting future endeavored in like six months. Oh, well, you- I thought he was going to get future endeavored a year ago. So at this point, it's just, you know what? Let's give him something and have him run with it. I don't care what it is. Because everything else has been DIY, he has been given a gimmick. So, well, which guy are we talking about? Are we talking about Dupree Mace. or oh, Massé? Massé. <laughs> when when do when Dupree is that how you say his name? Max Dupree. Dupree. <laughs> when when he said Mansois, I literally spit out my iced tea because I I was I was like, how are they going to do this with Mansour? You know what I mean? <laughs> I just didn't see it coming. And when he said Mansois, and by the way. I think that this is this is I, I get so annoyed when they repackage people who are doing good things because they do that too much where they just change something we liked already. This is perfect. You take two people who, like you said, we're surprised are even still on the roster. And I have a lot of faith in this performer as far as Max Dupree or whatever. We're, you know, that's what we're yeah. calling him now. I love this guy. I always have. L.A. Knight worked in NXT, and it was it was an abysmal nothing gimmick, and he got over. He was like one of the most over people on the show. Um, no doubt about that. Yeah, and so I have faith in him to make this work. In that first segment, I was really nervous about it when they kept teasing this stuff, 
And that first segment couldn't have been better to me. I thought it was fantastic. Now they can't be wrestling on main event every week. Like they have to actually do stuff and, and actually, you know, uh, make I'm okay with, by the way, though, I'm okay with them not wrestling for a while. If it wants to be, they do, they do, you know, remember, uh, how, I mean, how long did it take, uh, Van Dango to, to actually wrestle a match? Like three months. He was just like coming out in the middle of matches and dancing. If they just like want to start doing, you know, uh, uh, walk, uh, walkway, uh, Run, yeah. runway runway walks in the middle of other people's matches like I and, this, and by the way the the stuff that um dupree was reading or saying or whatever this is drew gulak's uh powerpoint presentation level heat that they're gonna get with this stuff like <laughs> look at Wonderful. the shirt and the fabric i mean what, the crowd what was, was, what was the tagline the tagline was so absurd it was like t- to titillate your juices or something yes gee i wonder who came up with that one <laughs> but it's wonderful and i can't wait yeah. um anything else on next year wwe i don't think so no like that let's go to AEW. So uh, AEW, you know it's as much as we hate the fact that wardlow ran over mjf like the way they i think They've done good with with Wardlow. I think it's smart to put the TNT title on him. Um, it, it's a little tricky where you go with from here now, though, because you know he's Wardlow. You want him to go on a run, but you know the TNT title is the TNT title. I mean, I think it's easy to see where it goes. I think he runs through about. I mean, as far as where it ends up, I I hear what you're saying. But where it goes from now is he just runs through people. He's going to oh, run for, through for two months at least. Lance Archer and you know all the, <laughs> the, the, all the, the <laughs> usual suspects. <laughs> yeah, Team Taz, J- J- uh, Jake Hager at some point. You know, you know, Sammy Sammy Guevara. Like he's going to run through yeah. all the heel people. Yeah, all the big bosses that you just feed to this guy. You know. Yep. It, they're probably going to do and then you look you got to build them up and i think that they want a long run with this guy but you can really tell i think on on this show and it sounds ridiculous to say with aew because they have about five thousand people on the roster and you know (laughs) i never want to put anybody out of work you know i never want to do that but it's like if i was running this company and tony Khan came to me and said okay dude you know help me out here. What do we need to do? You could probably cut 25 to 30% of that roster that okay. you're not doing anything with. And you, you just look at it. You can really tell that even though Tony Khan, I know speaks a lot about, Oh, we have all these people because we need death, but they're missing a lot of people on this roster. And it's not just punk and Danielson and obviously Kenny Omega, but I want to see where this is really going to go with MJF because I, I feel like there's a void without him on the show. And he's one of my favorite performers in the business right now. I think he's the best heel in wrestling. But I just feel like there's such a void and there's in such a holding pattern right now where it's like you get people on TV and then you don't see them for four or five weeks because they have so many people on the roster. And uh, look, I'm, a, I'm an AEW fan. I, I went to the first show at Double or Nothing at uh, the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. And, you know, I'm with them. I'm a fan. You've already got me. But how do you get more viewers? And I feel like their viewership is now dipped to about 900-something. I know they were over a million last week. But it's like, 
how do you build on that audience? And it just doesn't seem to me right now that they're building and the product is a little bit is a little bit stale, I think, because Tony Khan, personally, he's out of plays. He's out of plays in the playbook. Like you can only do so many finishes where it's like, OK, here's the afterbirth. Here's the run in after the match. Here's the distraction. You know, here's the new the person. Yeah. The referees just never happen to see it, by the way, even though they're staring right at it. You know, it's little quality control stuff like that is where I think AEW needs help. The fans are into it. Like I like the product and, and the fans are into it. And there's a lot of characters that they have that are over, but I feel like some of the quality control stuff and some of the details are what they really miss on. I, I, MJF was actually what I want. The other, well, there were two other big takeaways. One was MJF and they need to bring him back or they're going to run the risk of having this burnout before it has a chance to really get going. I know they, you know, between the fact that it was forbidden door and there was no place for him there and they didn't want to, you know, they didn't want to rush it like we saw with, you know, CM Punk and WWE, but he needs to be back soon because otherwise there, as, as Wes said, there's a big hole in the company and there's also, I think you run the risk of just losing all juice that was behind them. Wes, I feel like we needed you a few months ago to come on and be our um, AEW. Uh, yeah, we, we, I think we need to start bringing Wes on more often just to be the other voice. <laughs> because, I mean, we, we talked about a nauseam. Like, they have a huge booking problem. And, and, and I do, yes, to a degree, a lot of it right now is injury related too, but when it wasn't injury related and, and we don't need to go into the book of them screwing up MJF because that 100, you know, go back in the archives and everybody can listen to us scream about that. But I do think it's significant to say when you think that in the middle of your show now twice in a row doing like Christian heel promos is significant I think you got a little bit of a problem. And Yo. I, 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 I think that I, like you said, like MJF, I mean, we said it for weeks. MJF is everything in, in AEW. He should be the most important thing on the show. He should have, you know, there's a million wrong turns that they, that they, that they took. And even after a lot of them, they could have corrected it and they didn't. And maybe they still can. They did. They still haven't capitalized on the most talked about week in wrestling in a while that centered around MJF, but that Christian, I mean, I guess we could just go right into that. Like that Christian stuff. I just wish Glenn could be here to talk about that right now, because trying to present Christian, like an important heel on your show. is a little troublesome. I I'll say this about Christian. First of all, at least it's, it's, good promos now whether he's going too far at some points we can you know talk about that one the promos are good i'll the give promos you that are good and and i think they're doing the right thing in bringing on luchasaurus and making it jungle boy luchasaurus is much better than jungle boy christian but if, don't if you think this is going to turn into jungle boy christian well most likely Luch yes but I, I'm, I'm saying having that be the case and having it not directly be that having potentially giving luchasaurus some rub as a singles performer I think is at least it's much better than the alternative. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and, and by the way, we you, because of when we recorded last week, we didn't talk about blood and guts or anything. Yep. Um, but I couldn't help but laugh that like Luchasaurus is basically Kanosaurus now. <laughs> like, yeah, he comes out to like 
the, the like cane sounding music with well, fire it's, it's, and it's, it's yeah it's the slowed down old jurassic express like you yeah know, it, but it has like those like uh what's the instrument um god i, I can't even think of it uh, the at the church of uh, the organ it has like those organs yeah. at the beginning yeah like it you know it's silly it's whatever uh, you know the, the what i can say about it, at least it's good work right now and i'm hoping that the big match is Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, and not Christian Jungle. And we didn't need Matt Hardy involved in this. No, that and... I don't need at all. <laughs> well, I don't need what? Matt Hardy. Like, what was that? Like, just like, so that Christian could say some uh, shocking things to get some, uh, like, clickety clacks online. Like, I, like that felt a... really desperate to me. Like, goes... we have to make fun of this Jeff Hardy thing. Yes, that goes to a little bit of what I'm talking about. Like, uh, you know, I don't want to put anybody out of work, but this. Do you really need Matt Hardy? Like, do you really need these guys? It's like, it feels like AEW when it started, you know, it was like, these are our guys. These are our new stars. Yeah. You know, you bring in somebody like a Brian Danielson, of course you bring in somebody like a CM Punk, but it seemed like AEW and I'm hearing this from a lot of AEW fans and seeing it on Twitter and whatnot. It seemed like it was their company at first. And now you've bloated the roster so damn much. And where, you know, one thing AEW still does do is I feel like it's always fun. I feel like most of the people feel AEW is a fun show, but they're not, they're not building upon that. Like I felt some of the AEW stuff that they actually did in the empty dailies place in Jacksonville during the pandemic was probably the best stuff they ever did, even though, you know, you like it better now in front of, you know, live and full crowds and engaged. I, I actually disagree with that, but it's another, well, I, I feel like it's a conversation I, we don't have a lot of time for. I really, I really wish that Wes was on with us like months ago because that to us was the downfall of the company. Like, and, and downfall of the company is extreme, but you know what I mean? That, that was, that was the low period. point. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, what I'm saying, though, is that I felt like, you know, it was a little bit more focused because it had to be. And I can understand the the smaller rosters. You had to pick and choose who was there. Yeah. Roster. And because, you know, now you've got like so many people, you got so much shit going on, which I always think is so funny when Tony Khan's like when he always refers back to WCW and look, the late years of WCW 99, 2000, 2001 deserve to be besmirched. But Tony Khan like refers to that like, oh, we're not going to make those mistakes. And it's like, you're doing it right now. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> TV. It's like every, you know, it's you, you never let anything breathe. And that really frustrates me because I think that this company has so much potential and they have a fan base. And I think what you're seeing right now, the live crowds and the fan base are really helping to make this show you know, and, and keeping it going, even though the creative is, you know, is, is very much hit or miss. And it's like, let's go into the next thing right away. Like you brought up blood and guts really briefly and I'll wrap up, but you know, it was where Cesaro got the win and he made, I forget which 2.0 guy made tap out, but it's almost like, okay, are you going to continue now the Eddie Kingston story? Are you going to continue that with, uh, Jericho's little group here because it felt like at some point Kingston's got to get his revenge on Chris Jericho and apparently this week where they had Ruby Soho get her 
arm slammed in the car door or whatever, maybe that they are continuing it. But it feels like, you know, it's like, it's like, let's go to one thing to the next and let's go one thing to the next. And you never let it breathe and you never give time to tell the story. And that's why I think there needs to be some help in that booking process in that company. And, and, and then you have to add on, and I have a big surprise next week and we're going to bring in this new person. Like it, it felt like a never ending chain of, okay, like maybe this sucked, but distraction over here, we signed a secret person and you're going to find out who it is next week. I mean, yeah. like, I know that it wasn't really the way it was supposed to play out, but that's inevitably what the Cesaro or sorry, what the Claudio thing ended up being. Um, personally, I, I think we've talked about this. The blood and gut stuff is not for me. Like, I don't need guys bleeding all over the place or whatever. Like, it's I like the too nostalgic, like, yeah. like, it's like, we're trying to capture that, you know, cause TNA impact used to always do that. You know, it's like, Oh, people still chant EC dub, EC dub. It's like, you know what? ECW had its place and it's time. I'm ready to move on from this nostalgia. I don't need trash cans and garbage can lids. It's like, it's too much. Leave it back in the late 90s, early 2000 and leave it at that. Or or there's a place for it where like a feud has built up to a degree, but like having, you know, having to have this match every year or having to like, and and by the way, that's not exclusive to this company. Other companies do. I was going to say, it's the Hell in a Cell pro. It's it's anything where you have to have a match at a certain time. Yeah, that it's that compounded with the fact that they bleed all the time. On like they'll do a random match on Dynamite where they have someone bleeding or whatever. Cody used to be the, well, the number Co- one. Co- Cody bled every week. Cody was bleeding before he got to the ring. You know, Cody like was bleeding during a promo. <laughs> so, no, but here and, and just to finish the point of that, it's like I didn't think that match was very good, but there were good things in it. And and if and if you, if I ask you, what did you remember the most about that match? What was it? I think there's a very clear thing well, to the me. Image, the, the guy hanging upside down? Oh, or... maybe. I thought Cesaro swinging Chris Jericho on the top well, of the, the cage yes, was the most yeah. memorable moment of that of that match. Yeah. And that you, nobody needed to bleed to do that. You know what right. I mean? Like, that I'm, was insane. <laughs> like, the visual of that is wild. And I, I go with Sammy going through the table because they actually covered it up, unlike the last match where Jericho got pushed on. <laughs> yeah and but you know but they again they were doing we have glass and we have thumbtacks and we have this and none of that was even that memorable the the dragging over the thumbtacks that was that was kind of that was yeah what was it uh the walls of jericho over the it was jericho trying to set it up and dragging him along the way that was so again there were a lot of cool spots it just but it didn't feel as heated as it should especially with kind of the claudio thing overshadowing everything we saw Aaron, I thought was better. The anarchy yes. in the arena. 100%. I thought oh, it, was way, it was way better. Yes. That was a close. And they told a lot more stories too because they teased tension at the end when all of a sudden, you know, because we were out there, we went out from our seats to watch uh, Eddie, Eddie. King Daniel Garcia fighting the concession stand. Then all of a sudden we get back to the arena and here comes a half dead Eddie Kingston yeah. with that can of gasoline. <laughs> yeah. And he dumps it not only over the opponent, but also over, over Brian Danielson. Yeah. So it's like, okay, where well, they're going to tease something there. And I like teasing those things. Yeah. And I thought that match was, even though it was more chaotic, was a lot better laid out than this one. Well, 100%. but also there's the thing that you just said about Eddie Kingston, like, that's a perfect example of blood being used 
the right way. Yes. (laughs) You get that image of him walking down the ramp and you will never forget that ever. But I'm not going to remember like 2.0 bleeding all over the place during blood and guts. You know what I mean? Or the, the fact that there was a couple times where you could visibly see John Moxley trying to blade the guy because whatever the stick or whatever he was hitting him with didn't work. And like the the camera caught him like actually blading the 2.0 guy. It's like, that is a lot of effort to get people to bleed all over the place. Like, I I just don't, I'm not, it's not for me. I know we got to wrap this up. Um, I was going to say we're, we're running a little long here. I just want, I wanted to add one more thing for AEW and that's, I'm really concerned about this Ring of Honor pay-per-view that it's going to be another thing that just takes a lot of time on both Dynamite and Rampage. And it's kind of, you know, we kind of were like, okay, a month of Forbidden Door, uh, that's not great, but whatever, it's a month. But if it's a month of Forbidden Door and we're not caring about, like, the true AEW storylines, and then a month of a, a month of Ring of Honor build and we're not caring about the AEW storylines, like, that's not good. The build's going to suck, but the show's going to be good. Kind of what sure. we saw Forbidden Door, where it's like, hey, we had some really good matches, you know, and this Ring of Honor, this death, what is it? Is it death before dishonor? Is that what yeah. this you know, yeah, is? Like, you're going to have really good wrestling matches on, sure. there, especially if you are in the Briscoes again, which, you know, they could wrestle every week for all I care, and I'm, and I'm in on it, but. Yep. I'm going to channel my inner Glenn here and say, but you have to tell us what is Ring of Honor. Well, yeah, you got to go, <laughs> what is Ring of Honor? And again, if you're telling me, well, AEW storylines don't really matter right now because we're bringing in New Japan. AEW doesn't really matter right now because we're bringing in Ring of Honor. At some point, we start to believe that AEW doesn't matter because you're it, telling it, us that for, it, it, sec- for two straight months. And I got to tell you, it really feels a little bit like that when you just, and I mean, Wes talked about the thousand guys they have. On top of the thousand guys they have, they're bringing in a thousand guys from every other promotion, you know? And it's like at a certain point, it doesn't feel like like uh, when the Young Bucks wrestle two guys from New Japan on Dynamite after you've done a Forbidden Door pay-per-view, that doesn't feel like it matters that much. Well, it's it's like, let's focus on getting Jungle Boy. And yes! Darby. And that's what I go back to, you know, when we were talking about the TNT title. When Darby Allen was put in the main event on Dynamite, and this was during the pandemic Dynamite's at Daly's Place, but when you put him in the main event, you got him to where it's like he kind of looks like a star. We really like this guy. We're going to cheer this guy every time he comes out. And then they put Sting with him. And it's like Aaron and I have had this conversation yes. before. Babysitter. It's like he doesn't need Sting. I'm cool with Sting being on there a few times a year and being a 60-year-old man and, you know, diving on a Andrade to a table. A couple times a year, that's fine with me. But it's like push your guys that you say are the pillars. Push Jungle Boy. Push Darby Allen. Do more with Ricky Starks and Will Hobbs. It's like you've got the talent there that these people want to cheer for. Sammy Guevara. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people. I mean, it's not a few. It's like they have a roster of people that aren't people from WWE. And there's nothing wrong with getting people from WWE. I'm just saying they have a lot of people that aren't that, that are their quote unquote originals, you know, because this is the biggest stage that those folks have been on on national television, even though some of them have competed in other places. You've got people you can claim as your own and you've got to develop those people. And MJF being at the top of that list, um, you got to make those people matter more than Matt Hardy, Sting, Jeff Hardy, Christian, uh, yes. you know, and on and on. You can use those people in a ways that put those people over. But unfortunately, that's not what's been happening. This feels like Tony Khan's uh, 
wrestling figures come to life a little bit. Yeah. I love Christian, so now Christian's mega heel on the show. And again, that's and that's going to end the right way. I have good faith that yeah, that's going to end the right way. You know, yeah. But, of, of all of all the things that have been done, the the Christian thing is it's one of the, the least offensive. offensive. Right. Yeah. Sting is the most offensive of all of them. Um, Matt Hardy might depends on what where that goes, but <laughs> but that, I mean anyway, let's wrap this up. Uh, yeah, I think uh, yeah, Wes, you uh, have anything to plug? You want to plug the uh, Long Shots podcast and anything else you're doing? Yeah, uh, you can go to at Beeson Live on Twitter. Uh, all of our programming is kind of up and down the lineup. I do the golf show, Long Shots every week, and uh, basically a variety of different shows. I'm kind of like kind of like a little bit of an innings eater i guess on Beeson, where i do kind of different shows at different times throughout the week and also on the weekend so go to beeson.com at beeson live on twitter also at beeson live on instagram to find out more about the network uh what's your twitter it is at west reynolds and the number one w-e-s-r-e-y-n-o-l-d-s and then the number one and you should follow him because he's made people a lot of money over the last, especially the last month in golf. He seems like he's hitting a winner every week. Anything going on at Ramshead, Brandon? Yeah, we've got a, a couple of new shows that we just announced set it off on September 11th. Uh, leg warmers are coming back uh, on October 8th. And our favorite uh, holiday celebration every year, Kicksmiths, uh, on December 17th with uh, Baltimore hair metal legends, Kicks. Uh, all those tickets are on sale now. Full calendar available at ramsheadlive.com. Follow us at ramsheadlive on Instagram and Twitter. And as always, I am at Brandon Linton on Twitter. You can follow me at DA Oster on Twitter. So for Brandon, for Wes, for Glenn, who is calling, actually something Wes might be watching in uh, women's lacrosse right now. And for the main event. Vent. Vent. Vent, 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 vent. AJ Francis, this has been Jobbing Out. Jobbing Out. Fuck NDAs. <laughs>